Today's scripture is a well-known story that shows the strength and the power of Jesus's divinity. It's what kids these days call flex. The flex that Jesus demonstrates in the scripture at first glance looks like Jesus reprimanding the disciples for having little faith. It seems a simple story or an illustration of Jesus's divinity and tells us to just not worry. If we let Jesus in our boat, he'll calm the waters and make everything better. I find myself in this preliminary reading of the passage with Jesus also reprimanding the disciples for showing little faith. However, I, you, and other modern Christian readers may get to feel this way because we've already flipped to the last page of the book. We know who Jesus is, his, his divine nature, and his ability to teach, heal, heal, and work miracles. We are reading this with the suspense eliminated. This morning, when you are listening, I ask you to feel the panic with the disciples. Sympathize with these guys who are listening to Jesus, but just don't know all that is destined through his resurrection and salvation. Feel the urgency to grab a bucket and bail the waters that are swamping the boat. Snatch the flailing line of the lofting sail, or just hang on because somebody could go overboard. This ride across the lake is happening just after Jesus addressed a crowd that had gathered on the shore. He came onto the boat to speak to the masses, teaching them in his usual method of parables. Certainly, the disciples do not want to be responsible for sinking the boat that hosts this enchanting teacher. Verse 33, right before our scripture begins, says, and I quote, With many he spoke to word, the word to them as they were able to hear it. But he did not speak to them except in parables. But he explained everything in private to his disciples. The disciples, who were just explained everything, are ready to set sail as faithful servants. The last thing that they expected was to be thrown about in a storm. Their panic ensues as waves bash against the hull, waters swamp the boats, and their faith is tested. Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then? is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
Amen. Please pray with me. God, bless these words of my mouth that they land on the hearts and the ears of your believers in a way that honors you. Amen. Friends, we have storms. We have storms brewing everywhere, and I feel like our faith is being tested too. We as a country are taking on water. Our sails are lofting, and it feels as though we are being led by leaders who are sleeping through the storms, created by the power of fear and hate. Immigrants are seeking asylum, being turned away or detained with children torn from their parents' arms. They're housed in cages, and the government is controlling, limiting, and censoring their conditions from the media. Rights are being trampled, and the Attorney General is misinterpreting scripture to justify it. This is an eerie remnant of the justification of slavery. We know that this is a storm of demonstrative consequences if we have ever learned anything from history. This administration has created storms stirring hate, bigotry, fear, and alienation. Outside of these sanctuary walls, you will hear me call it a particular storm, one that starts with S and ends with T, and it scares me. The power fueling this fear and hate in othering is indicative of the fascist history that has horrible intentions of valuing one life over another. We are hearing rhetoric that resembles the justification of the ugliest underbellies of our American history. The genocide of Native Americans, African American slavery, and Japanese internment camps. These egregious acts all prioritized white lives and the oppression of others. The epicenter of these atrocities against humanity is hate and the fear of differences in others. We have a leader that is growing hate and intolerance while championing bigotry and selling it as nationalism. Last weekend, I was in Memphis on my third tour of the Civil Rights Museum, located at the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King Jr. was shot on the balcony of room 306, April 4th, 1968. If you have not been there, it's a must. Each time I tour this museum, I vacillate between being appalled, angry, nauseous, defeated, and inspired. I'm bowled over by the disbelief in the statistics of four million people brought to this country as slaves. I'm nauseated by the cruelty of slavery and the inhumane voyage of human cargo, huddled, shackled, and chained in three feet of space on a dark, dank hole below the deck of a ship.
How anyone survived this voyage is beyond me. I marvel at the courage and the endurance of a people that still found God in the fields. Despite their bondage and forced obedience to a misinterpreted Christianity, the spiteful, hate-filled, white-whipping master, a master who called himself a Christian, a master who raped slave women to bear children into slavery and increase his wealth. Despite the inhumanity of slavery, the origins of gospel music was sung by slaves picking cotton and lofted between one row and another of plants between them. There was a peace in their soul at the heart of their being that God was with them. And Jesus was their salvation. Jesus, an ally who knew hatred, who knew the sting of the whip and the love of God who brought him home to heaven. Years later, we see the consequences of slavery still dominating the culture that is embraced and legislated as racism. Civil rights activists embraced the nonviolence of Christ and resisted the hate spewed upon them channeling the humility of Jesus on the cross. I wish I didn't need to skip this full history lesson today because there is a correlation between then and now, the storms of yesterday and the storms of today. But this is a sermon and not a lecture. And there's cake in the atrium. It is so important to know that the storms we face today directly correlate to the storms of the past. We have to learn to identify the power in fear and the power in hate because it is always where the trouble lies. Racism, sexism, police brutality, gun violence, sexual harassment, race, human trafficking, immigration detainment, racial profiling, disparities of arrest, poverty, homelessness, mental health, homophobia, gender and sexuality discrimination, all rooted in fear, fear of other and a quest for power. The Civil Rights Movement was a storm. The leaders against this storm used the power of Christ at the center of their fight. What's the power of Christ? Love. Who is Jesus? Love. Do not be mistaken. Love is not passive and it is not weak. Love is not for cowards. It takes more courage to love than beat an enemy. The message of Jesus and his love was stronger than lynching ropes, billy clubs, fire hoses, tear gas, and whites spewing hate from the top of their lungs. I'll tell you this. Haters fear love and will kill those who use it against them. 
Jesus was a fighter, an unorthodox fighter, unknown to the empires and dynasties that were ruling the world. Rather than swords and armies, Jesus used the greatest agent there is against fear, love. We know love is patient and love is kind, but that's just the tender side. Love angers at injustice. Love resists laws that respect only a few and not all. Love stands up. Love says no more. Love knows what is right. Love demands change. Love accepts respect. In every racial radical storm, the leaders of the civil rights movement, led by clergy and the teachings of Jesus, used love to face hate. Love and peace stood up tall. Time and time again at lunch counters, protesting buses, and walking into public school, love stood in defiance of hate. We cannot look away from the foothold that hate has in the heart of many of our fearful folk. Hate is strong. Hate is defensive. Hate is entitled. Hate is selfish. Hate is scarcity. I'll tell you what hate did. It burned crosses and it lynched men, women, and children. Hate is a coward that wears a hood and a cross. The Ku Klux Klan haters tried to steal Jesus' cross again to justify hate and change the truth of Christianity. Hate is legislated in laws that negate equality. Hate is sneaky and it is subversive. Hate fears love because love multiplies and it lets others in. Love's strength is its inclusion. Hate's strength is the seduction of exclusion. When I walked through the museum, I wondered who might I have been in this era? What would I have done? What would I have known about? Would I have had the courage to love other? Would I have known the haters? Am I related to the haters? I'd like to think I would have had the courage to be a freedom writer or supported the NAACP. Perhaps I would have marched alongside those fellow protesters. Or perhaps I would not have worried about these issues of colored people and led a wonderful life in the privileged white suburbs. Oh, I'd like to think I'd be on the front lines doing what was right and fighting for equality. But that's because I have the privilege of hindsight. And I was not living in the fear of those moments. I was not a disciple on the ship being thrashed about. I was not a marcher being shot by a fire hose, beaten with a club, or thrown into jail 
with the courage to not retaliate physically. I read these stories from the safety of being on the right side of history. But you know what? You and I don't need to worry about who we would have been in those historical storms of social unrest because we can find out right now who we are in the storms of injustice. There are plenty of storms unfolding around us and we can find out who we are. Let's turn our faith into action. Let's ask ourselves, what hate are we standing up to with our love? Who are we loving as ourselves? Because of our white privilege, location, affluence, and education, we can easily hide in the safe harbor of calm waters. It's so easy. But know that our complacency is a statement of acceptance. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. There are storms of hate brewing all around us. Schools are riddled with bullets because the value of owning a gun is more important than the value of life. Gay couples are still denied the freedom to love openly. Bigotry is still legislating the ways of the world. Economic disparities are fueling classism, sexism, and racism. And our prisons are filled with the biases of this racism. Friends, we do not need to be the headline heroes. But we do need to vote, to read, to march, pray, join a group, stay informed, and love. We need to care and love our neighbors as ourself because that's what Christianity is. It's not slavery, and it's not racism, and it's not hate. We are faithful, seaworthy sailors that will weather storm after storm because the kingdom of God filled with righteousness is on the other shore. We must sail through the storms that power, fear, and hate stir until there is justice for all. We are called to be the conscience of these times and the facets of love that do not tolerate fear and hate. I think when Jesus told the disciples everything, he said that there were going to be storms of unrest and that unrest was going to unfold when love takes on fear, when love takes on hate, and when love challenges power. I think he told them to expect the unexpected and no matter what happens and who would be against them, that they were to keep their faith in love and the power of God. Jesus is here with all of us in all of these storms, still giving us the most powerful agency that there is, love. 
Jesus was not the keeper of still waters, but the current of love in the storms that were against the establishment. And he is always, always with us. Please stand and sing this song in solidarity with those who have challenged the establishment and won small victories. And also know that those are, there's still many of us still fighting for the righteousness to overcome. <laughs> 